We tend to think that Jesus did these different miracles because he's super compassionate. But is that the main reason why Jesus performed these miracles? Because he was trying to be super helpful in a time of need? In this episode, we're going to look at why Jesus performed miracles. And I think you're going to see that he did it not because he's a nice guy, but for other reasons. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and thanks for joining me in the Fox Den. As we look through the Gospels in the New Testament, we see several accounts where Jesus performed different miracles. He controlled the weather, he healed the sick, he made the blind see, he made paralytics walk, and he even raised the dead. We tend to think that Jesus did these different miracles because he's super compassionate. Now, I don't deny that he is compassionate. But is that the main reason why Jesus performed these miracles? Because he was trying to be super helpful in a time of need? In this episode, we're going to look at why Jesus performed miracles. And I think you're going to see that he did it not because he's a nice guy, but for other reasons. Now, before we begin, don't misunderstand me. Jesus is clearly compassionate. And certainly his compassion was part of the reason why he performed miracles. But there's really four different reasons why he performed miracles other than his compassion. And the first reason why he performed miracles is to prove who he is. So if we look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, we see that Jesus calms a storm. So in this account, he and his disciples are in a boat and Jesus was sleeping. And a great storm arose, and the large waves were flooding the boat. And they woke up Jesus and asked him to save them. Jesus rebukes the wind and the sea, and it was calm. Even his disciples recognized this is atypical of any human being. In verse 27, they ask what kind of guy this is, that creation obeys him. And do you see how Jesus calmed the storm? With his words. How did God create in Genesis chapter 1? With words. So this is giving us a glimpse of who Jesus is. He is God. He's a real man, and he really is God. As John would tell us in John chapter 1 verse 14, the word who is God became flesh. That means that Jesus became a man. So Jesus performed miracles to prove his identity. He is God. But it also proved his identity as the source of life. We see in John chapter 6, verses 1 and following, that Jesus feeds 5,000 with five barley loaves and two fish. Now that's a miracle in itself, because the number is probably more than 5,000 to begin with, because it says that the men sat down and there were about 5,000 in number. So we have to assume it's a mixed crowd. So there must be more than 5,000, but it doesn't matter. Even if it was only men and there were about 5,000, Jesus fed them with five loaves of bread and two fish. Again, that in itself is a miracle. But look at what follows. Everybody ate their fill and they gathered up the leftovers. And after they gathered all the leftovers, there were 12 baskets from the barley loaves. Did you catch that? These are five barley loaves. He feeds 5,000 people, they eat their fill, and there's 12 baskets left over. Now, I don't know how big these baskets are, but there are more baskets of leftovers than there are of barley loaves. 
These barley loaves are not the size of houses. They were small enough for people to take bread and pass it to the next person. And there are 12 baskets of leftovers after everybody ate their fill. So not only did he feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, he had more left over after he fed 5,000 people and they ate their fill. And he had more than what he started with. Now, you might say that Jesus fed the 5,000 because they were hungry and he was compassionate. And I don't deny that he was compassionate, but that's not the reason why he did this. Because if you go down to verse 22 of John chapter 6, we see it's the next day and the people find him and they actually want more bread. Now, this is really kind of interesting when you think about it. Imagine that you're part of that group. Yesterday, this guy just fed you with all the bread that you wanted and there was more bread left over and he only started with five loaves. Wouldn't you think that was a miracle? Wouldn't you think this is a special guy? Wouldn't you seek him out for more than just more bread? But that's all they wanted from him. You see, in verse 25, they find Jesus on the other side of the sea, and they ask him when he came there. And Jesus tells them that they are seeking him, not because they saw a sign, but because they were full from the bread. You see, they see Jesus as a vending machine. See, this is how corrupt we are as sinners. Jesus performs miracles, and all we want is more bread. But again, this isn't really the purpose that Jesus fed the 5,000. Look at what Jesus says in verse 35 of John chapter 6. I am the bread of life. You see, he fed the 5,000 the day before to illustrate who he is. He is the bread of life. You see, that wasn't simply about feeding hungry people. That was about revealing to them who he is, the source of life. So Jesus performed miracles to prove who he is, but he also did it to authenticate his authority. In Matthew 8, verses 28 and following, we see two men who are demon-possessed, and they meet Jesus. Now it says that these men were so fierce that people couldn't get through that way. But here's the interesting thing. In verse 29, they recognize who Jesus is, and they ask him if he has come to torment them before the time. So the demons in these men begged Jesus to send them away in a herd of pigs. So Jesus simply says, go. And they go and possess this herd of pigs. They run off into the sea and they drown. You see, Jesus has authority over the demons. They recognized who he is and they obeyed him. Did you recognize that they didn't fight against him? They pleaded with him that he would cast them into a herd of pigs. That brings up a quick side note here. Satan and his demons are not equal with God. They're all creatures. They're more powerful than us, perhaps, but not of God. It is not an equal battle between God and Satan. God is greater than Satan and his demons. And this illustrates that Jesus has authority over demons. Do you realize that demons can do nothing apart from what God allows them to do? They can only act within the parameters that God sets for them. And if God sets parameters where they are able to mess with our lives, it's because God has a purpose for it. They are mere tools that God uses to our benefit. How? We don't always see that. But God is in control. He's greater than the demons. And this story illustrates that they are subject to Jesus. They recognized who he is and they obeyed him. 
So Jesus performed miracles to demonstrate his authority over demons, but it also authenticated his authority over creation. We've already seen an illustration of that in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. But we also see in the next chapter, Matthew chapter 9, that he performed miracles to authenticate his authority to forgive sins. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 and following, we see that some people brought a paralytic to Jesus. And Jesus sees the faith of these people who bring the paralytic, and he tells the guy, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that an interesting thing to say to a paralytic? You see, you would think that Jesus would say, get up and walk, you're healed. But he didn't. He said, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's a reason for this. One, Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. But two, it's an illustration of the effect of sin. Going back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, the penalty for eating the forbidden fruit is death. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. So this is an illustration of the effect of sin. The man is paralytic, in a sense, because of sin. Not his particular sins per se, but paralysis, cancer, heart disease, blindness. All of these diseases are a result of sin. So Jesus tells him that his sins are forgiven because there's a connection between our sin and our illness. Now in verse 3, we see that the scribes, they're not happy with this comment because they know that only God can forgive sins. And so talking amongst themselves, they're saying that Jesus is blaspheming and Jesus knows what they're thinking. And so he asks them, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise and walk? Now think about that. Which is easier to say? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because I don't have to authenticate that. I can just make that statement and I don't have to prove whether or not it's true. But if I say rise and walk and the paralytic doesn't rise and walk, I prove that I'm inauthentic. But look at what Jesus says in verse 6. So that they know that Jesus has authority to forgive sins, he looks to the paralytic He tells him to rise, take his bed, and go home. And the man does. You see, Jesus didn't just heal this guy because he's compassionate, though I don't deny he is. But he did this to show them to authenticate his authority to forgive sins. So Jesus performed miracles to prove who he is and to authenticate his authority. His authority over demons, over creation, and and over sins. His authority to forgive sins. But he also performed miracles to demonstrate what is happening. So in John chapter 9, verses 1 and following, we see that Jesus passes by a man who was born blind. So his disciples ask, who sinned? Is he blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? And Jesus tells them, neither. He was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed. And then in verse 5, he tells them that he is the light of the world. So then he spits on the ground. He makes mud with the dirt and saliva. And he puts the mud on the man's eyes. He tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and he does. And he's able to see. So did Jesus do this because he was compassionate on the man? Well, of course, he's compassionate, but that's not why he did this. He even told us in verse 3 that the man was born blind so that the work of God can be displayed. And then in verse 5, he tells them he's the light of the world. Well, think of what the eye is. The eye is a receptor of light. The man couldn't see physically, 
Now his eyes can receive light. Now he can see. And who's the light of the world? Jesus. You see, Jesus is illustrating not just the power of God, not just his own authority over creation. He's illustrating what's happening. The blind can see, not just physically, spiritually. So Jesus performed miracles to prove who he is, to authenticate his authority, his authority over demons, over creation, and his authority to forgive sins. And he performed miracles to demonstrate what is happening. Again, the spiritually blind can see. But he also performed miracles to demonstrate what is coming. In John chapter 11, verses 1 and following, we see that there is a guy by the name of Lazarus. So his sister sent Jesus a message telling him that Lazarus is ill. So when Jesus gets the message, he said that his illness is not going to lead to death, but this is for the glory of God. And the Son of God, who is Jesus, is going to be glorified through this. Now here's a picture that we see of Jesus' compassion. It says in verse 5 that he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So again, it does reveal a compassionate heart of Jesus. But look at verse 6. When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. He didn't respond immediately. So we see in verse 7 that Jesus decides to go back to Judea. So obviously Jesus was some distance away from Bethany where Lazarus was at the time. So Jesus at this point knows that Lazarus has died. In fact, in verse 14, he tells his disciples plainly that he has died. And when he arrives, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And it seems here that Martha is a little upset at Jesus. And she says, had he been there, her brother wouldn't have died. In verse 23, he tells her that Lazarus is going to rise again. And in verse 24, Martha says that she knows that on the last day, Lazarus is going to rise from the dead. And in verse 25, Jesus tells her that he is the resurrection and the life. And he asks her if she believes, and she says, yes, she believes that he is the Christ. Very important words indeed. And in verse 32, we see that Mary finds Jesus And she falls at his feet, and she says, if he had been here, her brother wouldn't have died. You see, she recognizes his power. She recognizes that Jesus could have healed him. And here again, in verse 33, we get a glimpse of Jesus' compassion. When he saw Mary weeping, and all the Jews who had come, who were also weeping, he was moved. It says he was deeply moved, and he was greatly troubled. And then we come to verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Yes, Jesus performed miracles because he's compassionate, but that's not the main reason. So in verse 38 and following, we see that Jesus comes to the tomb and he tells them to to move the stone. And Martha's pretty keen to the situation here, and she tells him that if they do that, there's going to be a terrible odor because he's been in the tomb for four days. So they roll the stone away, and Jesus says a short prayer, and he calls out Lazarus' name. And he calls him to come out. And Lazarus comes out with the burial cloth still wrapped around him. And Jesus tells the people to unbind him and let him go. Did you catch what Jesus is doing? He didn't just raise the dead because he felt compassion. He was illustrating several things. He was showing them that he is indeed the resurrection and the life. But he's showing them what is to come. I mean, if you really think about it, if Jesus was merely moved by his compassion and he performed all these miracles simply because he was compassionate, it almost seems like wasted effort. All these people are dead today. So why would he heal these people 
just so that they would end up dying one day. You see, there's got to be other reasons for him performing these miracles, and there is. And I've gone through many of these, but this one here is to show you what is to come. Resurrection. Look at Romans chapter 6. Paul tells us that we have been united to Christ in his death. That's what baptism signifies. But if we have been united in his death, look at verse 5, we will certainly be united with Christ in a resurrection like his. Our time on earth is not the whole story. And when we die, that's not the end of the story. We move to the next chapter. But there's a time coming when Jesus returns and we will rise from the dead. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is all about the resurrection. And in verse 13, Paul is saying if there's no resurrection, then Jesus himself hasn't risen from the dead. And if he hasn't risen from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. Because what does our preaching proclaim? Christ has risen from the dead. He has conquered death. So when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead... It demonstrated that he has power over death, but it also demonstrated what is to come. We too are going to rise from the dead. In fact, that's what the healing showed. The paralytic who couldn't walk, that was an illustration of what is to come. Healing, where he could walk. And what was it a result of? The forgiveness of his sins. Do you see how we're on earth and we are sinful and Christ died for our sins and we are forgiven? And a time is coming where we will rise from the dead. The different healings that Jesus did are an illustration of what is to come. Healing, sight, resurrection. You see, what is to come are bodies that cannot sin, suffer, or die. If you look at John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, Jesus tells us that he is going to call us out of our tombs and we're going to rise from the dead. And he calls it a resurrection of life. Life. There will be no death. There will be no decaying body. There will be no cancer, no paralysis, no blindness. That's what's coming. Without a doubt, Jesus is compassionate. He came to rescue sinners. He came to rescue you and me. If he wasn't compassionate, he wouldn't have done that. He died the death that we deserve, taking our sins on himself. He is perfect. He is God. He left glory to come down as a man. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned, yet he took our sins on himself. He became sin for us. He died the death that we deserve. Of course he's compassionate. That's not the only reason why he performed miracles. He did this to prove who he is. He did this to authenticate his authority, his authority over demons, his authority over creation, and his authority to forgive sins. He did this to demonstrate what is happening The spiritually blind could spiritually see. And he illustrated that by giving the blind sight. Just as the eyes receive physical light, Jesus, who is the light of the world, opened the eyes spiritually so people could see him as their Savior. And he performed miracles to demonstrate what is to come. Healing, resurrection, and eternal life in bodies that can never sin, suffer, or die. So when you see the different miracles in the gospel accounts, understand that it's more than just Jesus being a nice guy. He's telling us something. He's telling us who he is and what is to come. 